matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we? Come play with us, Danny. Bad luck to kill a seabird. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and this week, my guest is a longtime friend and riff master, Donnie Burbage, guitar player for the band Aether Realm. I was super excited to get him on the show. As like I said, he's been a longtime friend, and he's a super awesome guy. He used to always let me stay at his house when we played shows in Greenville, and he's definitely, hands down, the best guitar player I know. And real quick, before we get into the interview, I just want to say go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's pretty much it. Here's the interview. So how's it going, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It's it's awesome to see you doing stuff like this, and uh, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it, actually. Hell yeah, man. I'm so to have you on. I know uh, you would think that I would have hit you up like one of the first guests, you know, but I didn't want you to feel used. I wanted you to know that you were uh, a good friend, and uh, oh, <laughs> and also that either realm rules too. I didn't want you to, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Well, I I mean I wouldn't have minded at all, honestly. I I like uh helping my friends with stuff that they're doing because it it's it's weird because it's, I've noticed something. It's like whenever I like I'm starting to do something that I think is like interesting or cool or like I'm moving up into something that I'm like wanting to do. And, you know, it's like awesome. Typically, my friends seem to be leveling up as well and and like in different things that they're doing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, you're doing this, you know, you know, Abe's doing like his stream thing. And uh, Norm is like famous on YouTube now. And, you know, (laughs) it's just it's cool. I'm like, wow, man, this is is wild. So I, I actually really like helping my friends like with anything they need with that kind of stuff at all like if there's anything that i can do to kind of like help pull more viewers or more you know things to help with content like that I, i'm all about it i love doing that so oh yeah and that's why you're the man <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, no. so just tell me a little bit about how you got uh, hooked up with the guys in either realm you've been playing with them for quite a little bit now but how did that all I don't, start i don't even remember when i joined i i think i joined Maybe it was 2014. I think it was like at, towards the end of 2014. Mm. And um, I I remember uh, so shortly after everyone kind of like left uh, the thing that the band that I was in was called Parallels and stuff like that. And everyone kind of like left did their own things like that. Richard was doing something else, moved on. And Richard was like the main writing force. So I tried to take over and I had a couple ideas, but it was tough to kind of like have that same vibe because Richard was the main person, you know what I'm saying? It's like the main writer of that. So it's, yeah. it's like when someone else tries to take over, it's like, it's it's almost a different thing at that point. And I had this idea. It's like, you know, uh, my friend Nick Cross was, you know, he kind of like subbed in on bass every now and then for Parallels and stuff. But mm. which, you know, for anyone listening, Parallels is like one of my older bands I was in a while ago. And yeah. but like I was actually <laughs> with you for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, let's see. Nick was like, yeah, dude, you know, like, don't be afraid to kind of like start things over or whatever or anything like that. You know, like sometimes you have to do stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. I put out a little feeler about finding a bass player. Okay. And I knew Nick, I knew Nick would like fill in for me, but Nick would always be the fill in guy. He, you know, he, and he was too busy with other bands and stuff like that, that he had going on to be a full time bass player in multiple things, you know? Yeah. So. I put out a little, a little message. I was like, hey, I'm looking for a bass player on Facebook or something like that. And um, I think Jake, who is the bass player in Aether Realm, he originally was supposed to have Andy Townsend play guitar. What happened was they had their guitar player, Jack, who kind of like Jack Duggerty. 
and he kind of like was leaving. He was starting a family, getting married, and you know he was going to be a um, a paramedic, I think. And okay. he, he was leaving, so like that. He was like the the like the you know one of the other guys, and he's not even the original guitar player either. Ironically, I found out like I'm like the third guy, like third or fourth guy apparently. Okay, uh, oh yeah. But um, Jack kind of like left, and they had like one final show and stuff like that. And um, I knew Jake because like. I had a friend who lived in the same like neighborhood uh, apartment building complex as him. My friend Stuart Lannon lived yeah. right around the corner from Jake. And uh, Jake had some friends who were like, I mean, I'm sorry, Stuart had some friends who were fans of Aether Realm. And they were just like local and only kind of thing, you know. Mm. So I put this thing out. Jake kind of like thought, hey, you know, maybe Donnie is looking for something to do. You know, like he's maybe starting a new band or something like that. Or maybe he just he's looking for something, you know. Mm. And so he hit me up and told me the story about how Andy Townsend was supposed to play this. Now, anyone who doesn't know this, Andy Townsend is from Greenville, North Carolina. He is a phenomenal guitar player who is the guitar tech for like Between the Bear to Me, and he's done countless other bands. Like he's done work for like Periphery. I think he did something with Mashuga one time also and stuff like that. And I think he even did something with Keith Urban. I, I swear I saw like <laughs> an Urban like like tour laminate. It, hanging up in his house one time i was like what in the world dude but yeah he's like the legend uh he's like the best guitar tech but he couldn't do it you know so they jake would kind of like hit me up sent me some tabs to learn and there was only like maybe five tabs this and this is like this is like the only tabs that exist like mm. everything else i've had to learn by ear <laughs> so like like you know like all the other songs stuff like that i had to like learn these things by ear and I, I didn't even get like a cd for like an entire year i had to like go on youtube and learn how to play these <laughs> damn songs <laughs> it was so hard which at least i guess with youtube the positive is it's way easier to stop paul's moving around and stuff you know but at the same time it's like it'd be a lot easier to be able to burn those like uh especially with like simple stuff like breakdowns that's something you can listen to in your car and kind of burn that pattern in your head instead of have to sit there and like watch it on youtube and shit five right yeah things. exactly <laughs> and and there was no like videos you know it was all just like the album on youtube yeah so no like I visuals <laughs> I mean, I remember going over to the other guitar player, uh, Heinrich, his house a couple times. Just mm. being like, dude, I am sweating on this. Oh, and the tabs, by the way, uh, the tabs were like not written in Guitar Pro. It was written on uh, like a MIDI. Um, what's it called? The the piano roll view in like Logic, yeah. right? And then exported MIDI and then imported into Guitar Pro. So like the fingerings are all wrong. They don't make any sense at all. So it's just like not even really helpful. <laughs> the Da Vinci Code of Tabs. <laughs> you're still trying to do it by ear in this sense, but like at least you have like a little bit of a more focused uh, thing you can kind of like solo your part individually, what you're supposed to be playing, you know? Yeah. But, but yeah, Heinrich kind of like helped me a lot with like a lot of stuff. I was like, dude, this fingering doesn't make any sense. I don't want to play this. He goes, oh, I don't play it like that. <laughs> He's like, that's dumb. <laughs> Hell yeah. So then you just hopped in from there pretty much. And uh, I remember the first show that we played or that I played with Aetherrealm actually. It was, um, at Tipsy Teapot, uh, which is just like this like coffee shop kind of like slash bar slash deli. Yeah. <laughs> now I love uh, the slash... Teapot. Such a fun uh, venue for sure. Yeah, there was like it was also like a bookstore or something. I think also there's a bunch of books everywhere, uh, and it's hole in the wall kind of thing. You know, like you've played there plenty of times before with with me in Parallels, and then also in Isolationist, which you played in as in with as well. Yeah. And like we like it was like the the only spot for for anyone who played in a metal band to really play right. in that area. Yeah, they gave you beer tickets, so that was cool of them, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't end, no matter how high you climb, apparently. <laughs> uh, but They'll limit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so 
I don't know. Well, okay. Uh, in Europe, I got actual. Uh, I got like a twelve pack a couple times in Europe, so that was nice. Like Europe's a little oh, yeah. better about that, but they know the important stuff. <laughs> drink tickets around everybody, but yeah. So like the first show I played was like really funny because like I was learning all the songs, and I only had learned how to play one song in one week because we had like a like a music video to shoot, and Jake was like, "Hey, join the band. We're gonna shoot a music video in one week," and I was like, "Okay." And I had to learn how to play the song. And so I just kind of like sat down and banged it out in a week. And it wasn't like terribly bad, but I had to kind of like write a solo for it and stuff, everything like it was like, so that was like, I was like a little stressed. I like to take my time on that kind of stuff. Like if I have to write a solo or something like that, I'll spend probably like two or three days nonstop just working on it. But yeah, so, you know, then the show comes up, we're going to play the show. So I have to learn, I think like six songs and I only was able to do five. I was like, Hey dude, Jake, I'm, I'm, I'm not able to get this other song down. You know, um, I need I need like at least another week with it. And the show's like in a couple days. He's like, well, we're not going to play it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Mm. Cool. All right. Just tighten up these other songs. in. so we play our like half hour set because that's all. Even if you were like the headlining band at Tipsy Teapot, like that was it. That's all you got, you know. (laughs) And uh, we play we play that. But like everyone's like they wanted to hear one more song. And apparently it's the song that everyone loved back then, which was. God, I can't even remember the name of the song now. Um, I'm gonna have to look it up. This is this is how bad I am at my own band stuff. <laughs> I can edit it out if you want me to make it uh, look a little bit better to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it might be funny. <laughs> if <you> don't. <laughs> it's like I I can hear the song in my head, but I just can't think of the title because we just do not play it anymore. Um, yeah. Oak. It's called Oak. Okay. So anyway. Okay. Apparently, this is the song, and I didn't know this. This is the song that everyone love to hear it's like the closing song it's the song that everyone's all about back in the day that was like the the hit for everyone hell yeah and i didn't know how to play it so jake's like well all right we're gonna play one more song and i look up at jake nick cross is my buddy who's my roommate also at the time yeah sitting next, he's like standing next near me right in front of me on the stage you know and he, he's in the audience and he just looks at me and i look at him and i'm like oh shit dude like <laughs> uh <laughs> okay yeah. And Jake goes, but Donnie didn't learn how to play this song. So I'm going to need someone to grab him three beers. And he hands me three beers. And he's like, you're going to have to drink all three of these beers before the end of this song. And you're going to sit on the stage and do it. I was like, all right. So I sit, I'm like sitting on the stage, like kind of like, you know, cross-legged, <laughs> just on the stage, chugging these beers, freaking out. Like, oh, man, I got to drink these beers really, really fast. I can't look lame. This is my first show ever with these guys. And, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think I was like really 100% into the band yet. You know, I was still feeling it out. But I feel like I did really, really, really well playing the songs and stuff. And then I got about two beers deep. And then I realized I was like, I can drink this last one like pretty slowly because, you know, this has been it's been about five minutes. I've been slamming these. And I was like, oh, wait, this is like an eight minute song. Yeah. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, OK. Hell yeah. And I, I tell you that like that was like one of the the worst like rough loadouts I've ever had to do <laughs> in my life. <laughs> all the beer sitting on your stomach. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I wasn't even drunk. I was just miserable. Like, <laughs> yeah, from chugging yeah. it so fast and shit. Like, that's the one thing is like, it could be your first three beers of the night. If it's not either quality beer or if it's just, you know, you don't have a lot on your stomach. If you chug them, they could fuck your stomach up before they even give you a buzz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's no fun then, you know, but oh, yeah. So I know you guys are kind of uh, a little bit luckier than others. You guys kind of live all close together. So have you guys been able to work on anything new in quarantine? I know you guys just uh, re-released another pressing of uh, Tarot on vinyl. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So so we we signed with uh, Napalm Records 
um, a little while back, and mm-hmm. we released an album called uh, Redneck Vikings from Hell, which was like a little bit of a meme, uh, kind of like a joke be- amongst ourselves. And then we kind of take our jokes a little too far, I think, sometimes. <laughs> and Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we, we just put them out there and let try to let everyone else sort it out and figure out what the hell we're talking about. But Tarot is an album that came out in 2017 that everyone is like kind of like really still on about they're like really like this is a really good i think i do think it's a good album i i there's things about that i don't like anymore because you know i was part of it i started hating it before it was released yeah you know that's when you know a song is done is when you start hating it (laughs) and uh you know tarot gets re-released through napalm with alternate art uh it's a new cd press that actually has an extra song on it that wasn't on the original album because when we did the original album, it was 75 minutes long, and that was the absolute maximum length that we could press an album, like on a yeah. CD. You, you couldn't do any more than that. Yeah. And I don't know how Napalm has managed to do this, but they somehow figured out how to put the extra song on there, which is like a six-minute song. Yeah. So I don't even know how they did that, but they did it. So oh, yeah. the, the, the album's actually com- like finally 100% complete. Yeah. We because yeah, we had to cut a song from it, uh, but you know, the song that was cut was like a song that was released as a single before I joined the band actually, and so it was like not that big of a deal that it was cut because it wasn't new music, you know. But yeah, now people it's got to hear it still and stuff. Yeah, so the only way you could hear that song it was called "The Magician" was like on YouTube or Spotify, and like that was it, or maybe Bandcamp also, I think. But that that was about it. But now it's on the whole album, and the album's also on vinyl now, and it's a double vinyl, so. It, which is which is crazy because the like on one side like the second album the B side of it is like there's only one song on it yeah and it's like the 20 minute song like you know it's, <laughs> like, it's all you can fit on there and that's it hell yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so it that got re released just now we also released Redneck Vikings from Hell in May yeah so it really didn't get much time to tour on it before or any time at all to tour on it at, before Corona. So y'all might be looking more to promote that when this is over with, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So yeah, not, not one bit. We had, uh, we had a tour plan for that that got canceled. Yeah. And then we had like three additional, well, okay. So we had two more additional tours on top of that, that got kind of like changed around and kind of postponed. One of them I can't talk about, but one of them was a Canadian tour. So, you know, that, that would have been really cool too. Because I've I've only played like maybe two places in Canada, yeah. Oh, so yeah. It's nice to kind of just go across Canada and kind of like play little other places I had never been to, you know. Nah, COVID's it, fucking everything up now. <laughs> it really it really did because you know it's like we were like stoked, you know, like we're like oh this is going to be our first album on Napalm. It's releasing in May. You know, we just got done playing seventy thousand tons of metal in January. Yeah, we were hell yeah. As as soon as I finished that, I had to do. A, I was a fill-in for this band called Veil vale of Not. They're out of Denver, Colorado. Oh, yeah. And it's like tech metal. And I had three weeks to learn, I think, like seven or eight songs of tech metal. It was like the like the worst idea of my life ever to try to like cram that in. But I, I, I did it. I I had to kind of like practice one of the songs in the van, the, you know, like like on Guitar Pro on my phone, practicing this, this song, making sure I knew it before we played like 30 minutes, you know, I'm like in the van, like trying to practice this thing. <laughs> and, and then like, as soon as I'm in, in the middle of that tour with Vale of Noth, like the whole thing just went down. We, we last two shows got canceled on that tour. I fly back and everything's just completely wrecked from then on. We're like, no one knows what's going on. You know, everything's just completely 
in up in the air. You know, no one knows when anything's happening or anything like that. You know, at all. So our our tour for the sh- for the actual touring on the album for the release stuff like that that got completely wrecked. That's gone. That's out the window now. And you know, so Napalm. Like, luckily, we have like a really, really good uh, PR agent with through Napalm. Her name's Natalie. She's absolutely crushingly awesome, and uh, she she kept us insanely busy <laughs> during the whole thing. Like, she made sure we had like tons of interviews to do. She sets everything up for almost anything that has to do with that kind of stuff. And then, like, she got us in like Guitar World magazine and you know all sorts of cool stuff. Things that I was like, whoa, that's awesome! I never thought I'd be able to do that. Hell yeah! Uh, now I saw the Guitar World uh, post that you, you guys posted either last night or this morning. I could, I know it was pretty recent, but they uh, that they posted about you guys on uh, social media. Yeah. So, um, so Guitar World magazine, like they have this thing called Guitar, just like Guitar World, and it's like that's like their social media presence, I think. And then like um, they they kind of like uh, have like this thing called Sick Riffs on YouTube, and it started months ago. I mean, I we actually filmed this like months ago, like when before the album dropped actually so this is in april when we filmed this yeah uh and it's just us in our bedrooms and just kind of doing the thing and kind of you know putting the editing together and none of us are good at video editing by any means so we got our friend to do it for us <laughs> and, um, Hell yeah. But yeah the same guy from the uh tmhc video <laughs> uh no so that was um a guy named gerard uh, okay. gerard did the t did the he did edited the tmhc video mm. and he also Kind of like he was on like a camera video, like a Skype phone call with us as we're filming the scene in the beginning of that video in our kitchen, in our dining room. Yeah. And and he's like directing this remotely because he lives in L.A. The the initial so that video came out because of coronavirus being like this whole massive thing, like where our initial plan was to fly out to L.A. and to shoot a music video uh, for the song Redneck Vikings from Hell. And it was going to be like really silly, really goofy, funny, weird, like just zany kind of thing it's just a weird zany song and that song is really like a meme yeah. and you know I, I we take our inside jokes way too far in this band and uh because the rest of the album doesn't sound anything like that one song that one song is just meant to be like a really goofy fun time yeah and then the uh, rest of the album is like fun but there, there's like different stuff going on everywhere and everything's its own thing but that got shot because no one could travel anymore to la yeah you know, it's like okay great so what we'll do is we'll get uh, we had this other funny idea where we're gonna have Chris Bose from Alestorm. He lives an hour away from us, uh, so he, and he's a really good friend of ours. So like, he was gonna drive down, and we were gonna pretend that like we had like tons of money from selling out, and we're like, look at all this money we made from selling out. Oh, I can't believe this is such a, this is the best idea we've ever done, guys. And then uh, <laughs> Chris was gonna come in and like bang on the door and be dressed like a police officer and be like, hey, I'm I'm the poser police. Uh, you guys have been you guys are being tried for uh, being a bunch of metal posers. And we were going to demand a trial by riff and just go down in the basement. And then we're going to play the song that has like the most riffing in it, which is um, ironically not Slave to the Riff, <laughs> which is yeah. the song that we have. Uh, it's uh, Lean Into the Wind, uh, which is just like a very straight metal riff heavy song. We kind of wrote that. I, I think I tracked that entire thing in a couple of hours. It's like the song that I worked the least on. Yeah. And it's like everyone's like, that's the best riffing metal song you guys. I'm like, I, I didn't I spent like no time on it at all. <laughs> like none. Uh, but um, but then, you know, now the, the North Carolina had this thing where you couldn't travel anywhere. And we're like, OK, crap, what do we do now? And so a friend of ours named Nick Rowlett. Now, Nick Rowlett is the guy that we sent all the stuff to. Yeah. To kind of like video edit for us. He actually did the uh, Slave to the Riff 3D 
like he reconstructed my guitar in 3D. Yeah. For this video, and like he just did it with like pictures that I sent him. You know, he didn't scan it or anything, didn't have anything special. He just did it all by hand. It was just crazy. And he did that whole lyric video. Hell yeah. So he's he's the one that kind of ed- like edits everything for us. But the TMHC yeah. video just came about because it was his idea to be like, hey, you guys have a bunch of fans that would be willing to just do dumb things. Like, yeah. just send the song to them, be like, hey, just film yourself doing this, whatever, and just send it back to us. And it was a lot of work to kind of, like, sort through everything. But Gerard edited the TMHC video and the Goodbye video. Yeah. But it was Nick Rowlett's idea, who happens to be the guy that we send everything off to to video edit for us when we need help. Because we're just, we're stupid. We, we only know how to put the notes together. We don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's really... Oh yeah, I want to see that uh, trial by riff uh, eventually though. That should be sick. Even if y'all just do like a little webisode of it or something. <laughs> that yeah, that would have been really funny. And and that's like definitely like kind of like the the dumb humor that we're we're into. And um, yeah, some people you know either you get it or you don't get it, and it's it's fine. It's you know. I personally love that shit, but I know what you mean. Some people are just like, ah, oh, it's stupid. But like you said, it's it's an appreciation type thing. But yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I I feel that way about like like even just like um like b-rated horror movies or something like that like i feel the same way it's like either you get it or you don't get it you know yeah hell yeah speaking of the horror movies let's move on into horror movies growing up do you have any memories that revolve around horror movies that you usually uh go to or you you know always pop in your head when you start to think about them uh you know someone once uh like (laughs) for me it's like um I remember when I was a kid, I was really scared of Leprechaun, which it seems really dumb and silly right now to say yeah. that. But like, man, that scared me when I was a kid. Like, I don't know what it was about, like the original Leprechaun movie but that really scared me. Shit, I was My right mom- there with you when he snapped his fingers. That shit got the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, it really got me when I was a kid, man. Like, and I was like pretty, pretty, pretty young, too. You know, when that first came out, I think. Um, yeah. My mom was kind of like the person that was like the movie like she's the reason why i'm really into movies and she's the one that like made sure that i had to watch very specific movies you know yeah and she was like no you have to watch this movie and i'm like this movie is like really old mom and she's like you have to watch it's important that you watch this and um it would be like some like either a horror movie from forever ago or um or like uh you know just like some cult classic movie that you know like, you know, like like The Breakfast Club or like The Big Lebowski or something like she would just be like, no, you have to watch this movie or something like that. Be like, okay, all right, no problem. I'll watch that. And she's like, hey, you're Citizen King, you have to watch this movie. Like, OK, but like, I think like she was the one that made me watch the thing. Oh, yeah. And and that happens to be like my favorite horror film of all time, because I'm pretty I'm, I'm a kind of I'm really into like science fiction type stuff. Mm. And I like I like horror movies a lot, too. And, and although I don't have as much time to really watch as many horror movies as I would like to nowadays. I, I, I still kind of like go back and rewatch the ones that I really enjoy when I can. And, um, I need to be better about staying up on top of new stuff. You know, like I even like worked on a movie that was like a 15 minute short film. It was for iHorror.com. It was called omnipotence. So like my first time ever working on a movie ever, which is where I scored the music for it. And I also did, uh, fully, and sound effects design for it was was ironically a short film horror flick hell yeah you know um and that was like tons of fun it was super fun to do that like it was really really cool because it's all about like the environment the mood the atmosphere and like the thing that i enjoy the most about horror films is that it's all about like that level of of immersion because that's like that's what's really going to kind of like give you the scare or put you in the right 
frame of mind to have a roller coaster ride while you're watching this, you know. I think the thing does this really, really well because it's a movie that is you it's it's like a it's like a it is a movie about like a monster, you know, like it's like a monster movie, but it's not like a traditional monster movie where you have the monster chasing you around or anything like that. Like this the this is a monster movie where you have no idea who the monster really is and it could be anyone and it's just such a psychological thing and i i really that kind of set the the mood for me to kind of like what kind of horror films i prefer and it's it's always more of like that psychological thriller that kind of like leering like not sure what if you can see what is actually chasing you or anything like that and that's 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 the thing that i think i enjoy the most now yeah no one thing uh that i really like about the thing is the way that like you said it's it's a creature feature, but it's almost like they took like a creature feature and mixed it with like a whodunit in a way. You know what I mean? Like you feel the same uh, mystery that they feel. You, sometimes, you know, uh, like you said, you know the killer of a lot of these other movies where they're just like relentlessly going after him. Even an alien or a predator, you know, you know, it's like a creature that's like in its own form. It's like in this way, you kind of not only do you know there's a creature out there, but it could be any of these people. So. Now that movie adds like so much fear. I feel like in that aspect of the fact that it can like assimilate to the people and you know mimic their every move and stuff. It's one of those that I'm surprised it got so much hate back then because honestly, it's probably been the most picked movie from like my guess so far as like favorite movie. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, and that that makes me happy to hear that it is a, a general consensus that like this movie is mostly everyone's favorite because I, I ex- exactly you know it is a, like you said a creature feature kind of film. You don't, but it, but but you know you're right. It does have that like um, mystery, like clue. Like you, yeah. know, you don't know who did it, kind of thing. You're trying to figure out what it is, who it is, kind of thing. But it's like it's so to me, it's like that's that's so scary because it's like you're afraid of just normal humans around you that you that you also know. You know, like like one of the things I think was like really cool. There was gosh, I can't remember the actor's name, but they they chose this actor. Because he has like this like everyday every man kind of look to him. Yeah. And and they chose him on purpose for the simple fact that like you wouldn't realize that he was missing from the group until it was absolutely necessary to realize it. And I think that is like just like it's it's like almost like you something came something happened in the making of this movie where like everything just kind of came together. And and it may not have been like the most perfectly planned out thing always, but like it just all came out together perfect, and it made like a really good memorable thing. You know, like I think writing music is like that too, where you sometimes these like accidental things or things you don't really think about have much more meaning to them, and then people will come up and tell you about the meaning of it, and you're like, well, I never thought about that way, you know, even though I wrote the thing. But (laughs) it's like, you know, and I think the thing is a good like embodiment of that, but like in Oh, kind of like a sci-fi horror film, you know? Yeah, and it's one of the few that, like you said, uh, it's got all these characters that you kind of like, you know, you're worried about, but you also grow to actually like each character. You know, it does have like that everyman, and I, I know you're talking about, like I can picture his face, but I can't like think of his name either, but for the most part, all the other characters that have interactions and dialogue in such a short film, they have a really good job of, uh, or at least in you know my case, I feel like they do a really good job of making you like almost like every single character except for Blair, you know, uh, Wilfred Bromley's annoying ass, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) he's destroying everything. But, um, everybody else is just, you know, like Wheeler, you start to root for him a little bit. Uh, Childs, you know, he's easy to root for, you know, of Mm -hmm. course, um, McCready is, you know, the badass of them all. But so, yeah, I definitely, uh, I see why the thing is like so well loved now. That's one thing I just don't understand why it was so hated before, but 
Um, is there any other horror movies that you grew up like uh, that you would say are another favorite or, of yours? I I I was strangely fascinated yet scared by Candyman when I was a kid. Hell yeah! And I'm I remember that coming out because my my parents rented it at Blockbuster. Yeah, like like I remember that. <laughs> um, and it was really really cool. Uh, and and you know like um. Oh man, you know it's it's like it's tough to go like when you're asked the question, it's tough to go be like, oh, I should have prepared better for this, you know, like like um because I'm trying to think now, like I'm on the spot of the other films. Well, to speak on uh, Candyman real quick before we move on to another one, one thing I like about a film like that is, uh, and you don't get a lot often, is like for me growing up, I think that I was scared of the legend before I was actually ever saw the film. You know what I mean? Like I was scared to go in the bathroom and say Candyman five times because you know you hear about that spread. Mm -hmm past the film so much that no it's uh Candyman definitely puts it put itself right up there it's one of the last few horror icons that put themselves up there as far as like you know being in the range with the Michael Myers and the Jasons and stuff like that oh yeah absolutely like and, and like it's like I remember like being like a like I think I was maybe in third or third grade or fourth grade I remember going into like out to, for recess on the blacktop and like some kids would run into the bathroom and you just go, Candyman, Candyman. And then they would stop. And they just like run out. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, this is scary stuff, dude. Like, you know, like. <laughs> I was uh, team no bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Tremors uh, a lot. But it's it's like one of those like kind of like like when you watch it, it's campy and goofy and silly. I think like there's like different kinds of movies specifically with like horror films too like you have like the ones where like they are trying to make a good movie and there's ones that are good movies like you know gosh i you remember the movie cube yes i uh i haven't revisited it long like recent enough to remember a lot of the details but i remember like the basic plot of it yeah exactly like same like i that's like the only things i kind of remember it's like I, I i barely remember this movie but i remember that i liked it a lot you know and i need to go back and rewatch that i think Another one of my favorites actually is oh, it's called um, not Manos, uh, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, <laughs> Manos is like on a different level, I think, for like what you what you what you want to get into, you know. Um, when you want to piss off your group of friends, just show them Manos and face. Yeah, I learned that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember slightly the Lawnmower Man a little bit. Uh, I remember liking. Um, I loved Alien, and I loved Aliens. Yeah, more than I loved Alien. Uh, it's it's not often that I feel that way about a sequel, but man, Aliens was like my shit when I was a kid. Like I was like about it. Yeah. Um, what is the movie? I can't remember what it's called now. Flatliners. That's what it's called. Oh hell yeah! Where they like make themselves die long enough to like see what's you know they like flatline pretty much on purpose so they could like get that high of going to the other like of dying for a little bit or something like that yeah it's like a bunch of medical students and i, it, I think it was Kiefer sutherland was in it and um i know it was a couple big names from like the eight like late 80s early 90s for sure i just can't re remember who yeah. they even were yeah i love that movie i thought it was awesome because it again it's like you know like they it's like something is happening to them and they're yeah. not sure exactly who is all messed up or not, you know, I guess there's maybe just like, I'm starting to see like this theme, of, <laughs> but I never really, really quite realized before. Hell I yeah. did like slasher films for a little bit. Um, I did like scream species. I liked. Yeah. Scream's I, my favorite, but species is one I've uh, never seen. Which one is that the one where the, the female is like becoming a, 
creature, yeah, or am I thinking yeah, a mimic it's... or something like that? Uh, well, no, yeah, your species your is is that is the female? It's like the creature. Okay. Mimic is also good. I liked Mimic a lot too. Oh yeah. Thinner, I thought was there's it's like I, I it's like all these like '90s movies. I was like really really into. I think, and th- those are things I really kind of dug on. Yeah. Now, and you kind of, uh, I see what you mean. You kind of see that, like, there's a theme of more of, of the, um, not even supernatural, but, like, psychological horror, like, instead of, uh, like, the slasher and stuff. Like, Scream is a slasher, but it's kind of more like a fun uh, meta slasher. But almost all the other movies, you know, like, uh, um, especially, like, Thinner and stuff like that, that's one that mm-hmm. is more of, like, a psychological and plays on real people's fear and stuff like that of, you know, how far like, would you go to get your dream type shit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, and I, I think it's, like, you know, that's like the thing is just like I, I'm, I'm really I'm really into it. like vampire movies is like, OK, to me, zombie movies. I feel like I want to like zombie movies more yeah. than I actually do. And and I do enjoy a decent zombie film, you know, like for zombie films, I think like the best 28 days later is pretty good for a zombie film. Yeah. And they're not even really like zombies, you know, they're just they're like some rage induced diseased thing or something like that. It's like really weird what they are, you know, but it's um, a saturated market for sure. But, but I will say that 28 days and 28 weeks later, that's another uh, movie and sequel combo that I honestly think I've probably liked the sequel a little bit more. Yeah. When you go back and you watch 28 days later, like especially recently, because I, I did this like probably a couple of years back. I was like, yeah, I remember this movie being amazing. And I rewatched it. and I was like, wow, this movie is low budget as hell. <laughs> like, I did not realize it was like that. Yeah, you really forget how uh, for 2003, it looks like it came up from 95 or something like that. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> like, like Black like Sheep someone... had a bigger budget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you're like, wow, dude. Like, But uh, 28 weeks later, that had Liam Neeson in it, didn't it? Uh, I don't think so. I, uh, the main character, I think, was Cillian Murphy. And then the... Um, the older gentleman was the guy that played uh, Mad Eye Mooney and Harry Potter. I don't remember. His, oh like, name, no, but... you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, yeah. But no, that movie was really good. That's one of those uh, that just has like a bunch of oh shit moments. You know, like when she's just like at the very beginning when he when Cillian Murphy like meets up with that chicken and her friend. It's like as soon as he gets bitten, she just walks up and like caps him in the face, and it's like oh shit. You know, like. He didn't think she would get rid of her friend that quick, you know, think she'd give him the option of like cutting his arm off or something. But she just fucking was like, nope, not risking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> that's like, the, whoa, dude. I think it's the first movie I remember seeing Idris Elba in. Well, he's in the uh, yeah, he's in the second one. Which yeah, the second one. Yeah, that one's got even more uh, people in it. That one's got like Jeremy Renner in it from, uh, you know, Hawkeye. And that yeah. one's got even more oh shit moments like the very beginning. The guy fucking like just leaves his wife there with all the zombies like a dickhead. Dude, that's the thing that that messed me up when I saw that. Like, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, you don't know until you put yeah. in that situation. That's when I realized that was like watching that movie. I was like, "Man, that's that's crazy." <laughs> yeah, and then it fucking like turns around and bites him on the ass a little bit later in the film, and then it's another oh shit moment. That's one thing I like about those is it's like without the zombies even having anything to do with it, there's parts of that movie that are just like, "Damn, that's fucked up." You know what I mean? Especially the end of uh, Twenty Eight Days, where the guy it's like all these soldiers. Oh, yeah, dude. Talking about, like, raping the women and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's, like, it's almost, like, um, it's, like, a weird thing where it's, like, there's there's some sort of, like, strange, like, uh, it's weird, I think, to think of this, that, like, there are so many stories out there of, like, some sort of, like, apocalyptic scenario with society collapsing, and it's, like, it's not so much the the issue that's causing society to collapse that you need to worry about. It's the other people. Yeah. Their reaction yeah. to the society collapse and type thing. And that's, you know, it's, it's weird. Cause I guess it's like, it's like the same thing with like a thing, you know, it's like, you, you don't know. Yeah. 
who the real evil is. You know, it's like it's it could be anyone. <laughs> you know, it's like but like uh, 28 days later, uh, especially at the end there, you know, that's wild like that, man. You know, it's like it's like, OK, you have to actually worry about stuff like that. And it's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's what sets them like them apart. And of course, a couple other ones. But uh, is that they're not just mindless zombie films. You know what I mean? Like they do dive into like the real human terror that's out there, like real evil that's out there in the world and stuff. So definitely makes them uh, sets them apart a little bit. Plus, their scores are excellent. I love the way that those are composed with a lot of acoustic guitar. That's like real melancholy. But uh-huh. every every now and then it tacks on that like synth, a uh, little bit of synth just to give it that like 80s vibe a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a friend who um, he he's just like a director and he does like a lot of like um, kind of like small uh, little like uh, horror film things. And he's like known on like uh, was it Stutter, I think, and iHorror and stuff like that. And um, yeah, Shutter, Shutter, yeah, Shutter, uh, which I've been I've been contemplating getting a um, checking that out. Actually, I've been contemplating about that. Definitely recommend it. It's definitely worth it. It's got a ton of stuff and they're like constantly adding stuff. But I think you'd enjoy watching uh, Joe Bob as well as much as you like, you know, knowing facts about what you're watching and stuff. It's real fun to watch him like dive into some like behind the scenes stuff that you never hear anywhere else just because he finds out like going around on these uh, convention circuits and stuff like that. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'd be I'd be really into that. Yeah, they have that movie. that's on Shutter that I really want to check out. It's like some sort of like science fiction horror film that's like. I see it advertised every time I go on anything. It's probably just targeted towards me because I like sci-fi and I like horror stuff. So yeah, <laughs> now I know what you mean. Though. Uh, it's been intriguing to me too. It's I've seen the mixed reviews, and that's why I've been a little bit hesitant to watch that. But I know what you're talking about. It's like a little horror series. I think it's. Uh, I cannot remember the name. I can remember the director's name. His name is Carpenter Brute, but I can't remember the actual name of the uh, series. But yeah, that thing that looks excellent. Even if it doesn't turn out to be that great, it looks like the visuals might be worth giving it a watch alone. Oh, definitely, man. Yeah. And and Carpenter Brute did because uh, he did that like um, that one like remix of a ghost song. I think I remember that, that like I remember everyone like going like this is awesome. And it I listened to it, it was absolutely crushingly awesome. I was like, wow, this is super cool. Yeah. Was it Dance Macabre or something? I think is what he did. Man. I can't remember now, but it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's real big for his music. Did you ever get to see uh, Mandy with Nicolas Cage? No, no. That's another one that's on my list. that I, it, you know, it's like one of those things where I remember being like, okay, I'm going to watch this. But I know that once I watch something, I like dive into the rabbit hole of it. Like I, I like watch it and then I like obsess about it. And I like want to learn everything there is about each character, each individual thing. And if there's backstory, like, you know, and I'll just like run these scenarios in my head. And then, uh, you know, I, and this is the funny thing is cause like I, I've worked in guitar stores most of my, my life. And like, this is what people in guitar shops talk about. We talk about this, like just like <laughs> dumb things that don't really matter or have anything to do with music at all. We just talk about like character development and like backstory of characters and trying to like, argue about like why the character did the thing they did in a, in a movie or specifically like even horror films. Like this is what everyone in, in a music store talks about. <laughs> I've, I've worked in so many different music stores and like that's the one thing I found consistent amongst its employees is that that one thing and I'll, I'll just dive into it and I'll not get anything done that I need to be getting done and I was like working on an album I was like okay well when the album's done I'll watch it you know I, I did the same thing with video games like okay I can't buy this video game when the album's done yeah I'll buy it you know because I'll get obsessed about that also and then never buy it <laughs> right yeah and then now I'm like oh man I wish I bought that game like two years ago like <laughs> yeah no, no, I want to so, watch that. No, I definitely recommend it. And if you get Shutter, I believe it's still up there as well. But uh, 
that's one that I feel like you definitely like. It's a little slow at the beginning, but the visuals are beautiful. And then the whole like last act is amazing. So I, uh, it grew on me the first time I watched it. I was a little bit uh, set back by how slow it started. But then uh, I gave it another watch and I was like, it's so visually striking that it, it's kind of worth the wait, you know. But I want to watch, speaking of like Nicolas Cage, I want to watch The Color Out of Space. That's a pretty good one, too. I enjoyed that one. Not quite as much as Mandy, but uh, but I, but it's also probably just because I prefer the, you know, the Mandy type film more anyways. But. Mm-hmm. No, uh, Color Out of Space was really fun, and that that's another one that was uh, visually striking as well. Very yeah, HP. It, Lo- I mean, it is based on HP Lovecraft oh, uh, yeah. adaptation and stuff. So, and they did a great job of adapting it. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, because I I love like that's like my favorite Lovecraft story is is Color Out of Space. Like, I I just like the idea that like Lovecraft was kind of like like like. Like he was kind of like upset about like the idea of like a uh, an alien invasion yeah. story. For like the time, he was like, you know, like, what if it was something that's like completely different from what you would expect it to be? Like something that he's like, you know, this is this is in this otherworldly. You have no idea what it could actually be, you know, and, and that's that's the cool thing about that. I, I, I like that about that a lot, honestly. Yeah. And he doesn't get enough credit for creating Cthulhu, the fucking badass monster that a lot of people reference and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can move on to like the uh, I have a few hypothetical horror movie questions for you. My first one is and I know I kind of feel like I know the answer, but because we talked about it a little bit earlier. But I know you said you enjoyed scoring that little short, you know, the 15 minute short film. Would you ever want to score a, you know, a full length horror movie if given the chance? And if so, like what kind of subgenre would you prefer? Um, so I actually worked on a like a 90 minute film. Which okay. this is this is the thing. That, so I would prefer to do a horror film for the fact that the thing that I like the most about horror films is that they're they're always really short. They're about a, an hour, 20, maybe yeah. an hour, 30 max, which ironically is the perfect movie to watch while falling asleep <laughs> because it's not like you're like, OK, I got to turn on Lord of the Rings. I got three hours to get yeah. through this boy and I got to fall asleep soon. Like, no, nah, a horror film is short. To the point, it's nice. Uh, unfortunately, it's also not a great idea to fall asleep watching some sometimes, you know. <laughs> but like, yeah. But yeah. So like, we did a movie. I think it was like, I think it actually ended up being like seventy minutes was the film. I think the, f- the film even referenced that in it. Um, and it was it was an okay movie. It was a, it was ironically a zombie film that was about the people trying to survive during a zombie apocalypse stuck on an island, you know. Yeah. Uh, so like the zombies are like second to the characters and you don't even really see them ever throughout the whole film. I didn't score oh, it though. I did all the sound effects design and that took me a long, long time. And to score it would be like mind blowing. So if I did, I would prefer to do a horror film, especially if it's one where like it's more about like not so much like thematic stuff that I have to worry about writing, but like just like kind of like setting this like ominous mood going on everywhere. Yeah. Because Not, that that's something I can kind of like just like bang out real quick easily, you know. No, definitely. Even speaking on uh, like I know it's a longer horror movie, but it's a lot of repetitive. That's one thing. Even about the longer horror movies, it still like repeats a lot of the same tones and stuff. But like mm-hmm. uh, one of the biggest ones, The Shining, that like organ at the beginning. Like as soon as you hear that fucking organ at the beginning, like you just feel like dread <laughs> almost wash over you, you know. And it's like that same like organ note just kind of like will hit at different times of the movie. And every time it hits, you're like, oh, shit, something's about to happen. So it's like uh, that's one thing I like about horror is it's like if you find it's almost like if you find a theme, like even in movies that, you know, the theme didn't get as, you know, like Halloween's theme is huge. But then like 
a movie like Phantasm, it's got its own theme that travels throughout the whole series. But when people are talking about themes, you know, it takes a diehard horror fan to throw out the Phantasm theme. So it's like, I feel like almost every horror film, it's got like its little theme that just kind of uh, definitely just carries throughout, you know, throughout the movie. And, you know, it alters in ways, of course, and stuff. But and it doesn't even have to be a theme as far as like ding, 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 like just like, you know, like in Hereditary. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's just a lot of like uh, real deep tones and like real like I can't remember. I think they said that he did a did it, a lot of it with a saxophone, but it's just like a lot of very like weird, like shifted, like uh, deep sounding stuff, like kind of like uh, to go back to Paranormal Activity. Remember how that's just kind of like a subwoofer that you feel? Yeah, yeah. But but you know what? Like every time you feel it, you expect it. So it's kind of like it can be a single noise, but it's almost like like once you get it in the first like ten or fifteen minutes of the movie, you kind of know that okay, well, once I every time I hear that, like it's almost like the like bell and the dog trick, you know, like every time a dog does this, you do the bell or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like Pavlov's dog, but like with <laughs> with a horror yeah. theme, like a leap motif. <laughs> yeah, like if you give them right out of the gate, you know, like, okay, this is the sound that you need to coincide with the horror part of the movie. Then every time they hear that sound, they're like, oh, shit, what am I waiting for? So that's one thing I like about horror scores is I feel like even in the most subtle ways films do that, like I said, with like the 808 and Paranormal Activity, that carried throughout mm-hmm. the whole series. You know, every single time you heard it, you were like, oh, shit, something's happened. <laughs> you know, like, and and talking about that, I think there's like a really good time to kind of like have nothing at all, like like no sound or or no... Because for me, like, I remember, like, I loved Mystery Science Theater 3000. I loved yeah. it. I was obsessed with it when I was younger. Like, I had some friends, and we would just watch movies and kind of do the same thing ourselves amongst it. And I remember watching Nosferatu. And it was broad daylight, and yet I was still kind of creepily freaked out by this this movie. And it's just old, and, you know, it's like, going like, man, why is this so scary to me? Like, and it's like, it's daylight i'm with my friends but i just feel really unnerved by this film and i i yeah i finally figured out that it was the fact that there was such a lack of music in yeah. that that really did that for me you know there was this like this these sections were just so creepily quiet that you just hear like the hiss of the audio equipment like and that's like all you hear and like you know i'm like this is this is terrifying i think i think if, if you do something like that in a film and this is the thing like i like even with the movie that I worked on, there were moments where I was like, the the audio has to stop here. Like the music has to stop right here. And yeah. it, and then Jaden, who's the director, he's like, I don't know. I think we should kind of keep the vibe. I'm like, no, 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 trust me. It needs to stop right here. And it just like, when we go back and we play it back and watch it happen. And we're like that, that audio just cuts out right before the character is about to say something very important and realize that they're dead. They're going to die. Yeah. Like that just like made so much more of an intense moment, I think. And I think that's like, that's the way that you should do horror films because it is all about creating that tension, but then like setting this like um, kind of like environment that the the viewer is going to be immersed in, and just having silence is just as scary as having some sort of theme that's going to happen every time something's going to happen as well, you know? Yeah, like uh, have that have that theme come in when it's like building the tension, but w- when the moment comes, like sometimes that absence of sound just creates, you know it makes the build up pay off more than, you know, if you gave us a, that's, I, that's one thing. And I, I definitely agree. Cause I hate when you have a horror film that feels the need to go like with a huge, like piano bang, like right as it's a jump scare. Cause then I feel like it's like it cheapens the jump scare. It's like you had to use that sound to make that scary. You know what I mean? Like if that was scary, right. it, it should have did it on its own. So, 
Yeah, it's it's a funny thing because I remember I was like a kid and my mom was like really scared watching uh, Scream three i think I, I could be wrong about which one this is i'm trying to remember now but like there's like yeah. a scene where like they have to climb over the the ghost faced you know and like they're in a in car, the police car. Like, yeah yeah that's a, yeah exactly. that's three yeah okay and she's just like absolutely like my mom's just like like anxiety through the roof she's like she has to pause the movie you know like just to get through it and then yeah. just kind of like be like okay i'm gonna do this and then she like pushes play and i'm like looking at my mom like i mean this is pretty intense like you know i i feel you on that but like i realized like she muted it to get through that scene <laughs> yeah and like it wasn't scary at all when it was completely muted and yeah. that was like a weird thing that i realized like yo it's like weird like there's you have to have the sound to uh immerse somebody. you have to kind of like paint the image of what's going on with sound but then there's moments where things have to be quiet to create extra tension too it's like this weird balance between these two things in, in films and especially in like a horror movie it's like that's like the movie that like is you know, if there's a shining moment for like a soundtrack to really kind of do something good, it is horror films. You know, I, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, like your, your Star Wars, uh, John Williams, your Danny Elfman. But but I mean, Danny Elfman does a good job of painting some creepiness to things in music as well. I mean, to me, the Batman with Michael Keaton is kind of weirdly like macabre, you know, and I, I really yeah. like that about it a lot. And I think to me, that's why the reason why I, I think it's my favorite batman is that era but it's like um you have to kind of like paint in both you know what i'm saying like it's like quiet for for tension but then you need to build the tension also the the the, the themes to kind of like signify something is a good idea but it is but you don't want it to like always signify like something's about to happen in the film you know i, I you know it's funny because paranormal activity kind of does that with like the low rumbling like you said but it does stop sometimes yeah, you know. almost a, like uh, like right before the moment happens, it'll stop. But yeah, but no, to speak about uh, like what you're saying about Danny Elfman, it's like every time he does something, it even if it's superhero or it's you know Beetlejuice or it's um fucking Nightmare Before Christmas, it's like always even the has Simpsons, like even the Simpsons theme song, you know. Yeah, it's like, like fantasy, but it's got like this weird off element to it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Most of his stuff has like the little horror to it. Even like you said with Batman, it's like I feel like if he would have never went that dark with it, like I mean, he kind of set the you know the tone for how people finished you know carried on with the Batman theme and stuff like that. Because before that, it was ban and you know the old cheesy Adam West theme. So have you seen um, As Above So Below? I think that's what it's called. Yes, I saw that back in the theater, and I don't think I've I think I've maybe watched it one other time since then because it was like on Netflix or something, but. I th- I think I watched it when Netflix still had like DVDs that you could like like that was like the like you know like you could get that still I, I think I don't yeah. guess you still could I don't know but when there's like that that like weird choir of people that they just kind of stumble upon that that I was like <laughs> that that scared me I was like wow that is the scariest thing ever yeah uh, Candyman you know Candyman the the score this was done by Philip Glass uh, who's like a minimalist uh, composer in like modern kind of like modern classical composer he's kind of like known for that but he mm-hmm. um he did the score for Candyman, and it's 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 creepy it's absolutely creepy it's probably it's super super scary honestly i i i love that 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 score they did also that one's really good yeah and no, i love it when it's like playing behind him and he's like be my victim and stuff like that and like the, yeah it's very uh like fitting it it's almost like a like fantasy horror in a way like it adds to his like renaissance type uh deal that he's got going on mm-hmm. 
So uh, for my next question is, is if you could have a guitar or amp and uh, have it modified in any way, it could just be a paint job or it could be a full on fabricated, you know, body design and have it uh, customized to a horror movie. What horror movie would you choose and like what would you get and how like how would you get it customized and stuff? Oh, wow. Um, well, uh, it would be for show only because <laughs> I would. Yeah, I, I'm done with amps. Uh, I, I think amps are are great and I love amps and the thing about amps that I do like is that I I I think that like amp modeling is really 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 good. Yeah. I I am a purist when it does come to amps and I own a bunch because of this. But I know that when I'm turning a knob on like an axe effects or on whatever or anything like that the knob that I'm turning isn't affecting the way that it would if I was turning the same knob. Like you know I'm turning the bass knob or something like that. It's going to affect it differently on the amp than the axe effects or whatever that those devices they're going to def- affect it the way that this device is set up to to affect it. It's not going to change it the way that it would in an electronic circuit how it would on that actual amp. They, yeah. No one's gotten that down yet. That's the only gripe that I have about amp modeling. However, like I use these things live all the time because it's just really much simpler. So if I had something, it would be like I would just have like a wall because because it, it, it'd be just for show. And let's just say that I have like people on payroll who can move this for me because I'm not going to move it. Like, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah. I, would just ha- I would have like a wall, and I think it would be like all cabinets. Mm-hmm. And I would probably do like the vine from the newer, like the remake of Evil Dead. Hell yeah. Like, kind of like crawling across it. It would be like one constant image, like, you know, like going across the whole thing, like something like that, and then wrapping around someone's leg or something or whatever like and that would be like the grill cloth of like like this you know like the, a wall of them you just see like this like long vine from the left to the right just going across on the far right cabinet there's like a person's leg being wrapped by the vine or something like that i think that'd be pretty cool looking oh yeah yeah that or you could have on your side have like you know the the i don't know what's you know stage side drawn but like have on each side have like a wall of cabinets for you know each player and then uh you know, each of you have like one. The left side have the left leg, and the right side have the right leg, and then there's oh, like yeah. no body or whatever. Right? Yeah, or you that, could have the backdrop be the body wrapped up. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. You know, and and maybe like just because it has like the theme of my band, maybe that like the creature that they had in the movie The Ritual, like just Hell be yeah. around there because it just looks <laughs> freaky as mess to me. But I'm kind of like laughed about it because of its tiny hands that it had. And I was like, <laughs> like I thought that was I like kind of laughed a little bit inside. But I was like, man, I think is creepy looking like if i saw that i'd be pissing myself but like those hands are like scary but they're kind of like they kind of made me laugh a little bit when i think back on it but you know like it's perfect for the tiny metal hand crew (laughs) right yeah it'd be be funny (laughs) you know (laughs) like oh yeah have have something goofy at the same time too you know maybe i and then like uh all the knobs would be like uh bruce campbell's chin (laughs) just be like all the knobs be just like (laughs) you fire it up it just goes groovy <laughs> yeah you know hail to the king baby <laughs> yeah there you go hell yeah no that's sick that's uh and that's one that's like realistic because you know sometimes like i had a guest up here and he was talking about making like candy man's hook into the like head of a guitar which i was like that's fucking sick but you know it'd be, cool. yeah yeah it'd be hard to make and like actually hard to play and stuff but something like that would be something you could like i could actually picture somebody doing on a tour you know what i mean like the whole backdrop was like very uh you know, because a lot of times there's bands that will easily pick a movie that is popular at the time or that the whole band loves as a group. And they'll, like, kind of make that a focus without, like, actually using the film thing, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. So it'd be easy to just have the vines and then uh, really you could put anybody up there. You could put a, 
a Viking redneck from hell in the vines. <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of druid-ish too. I think I think I think would I think would work with the the theme of the band yeah. also. You know what I'm saying? And hell yeah, uh, but yeah. I think that would work fine. Yeah, be cool. That, the hooks is such a cool idea though. Oh my god, that's like like a <laughs> headstock. Like <laughs> yeah, but that's what he's talking about. I was like doing a hook and then having like kind of like a. Uh, like a little bit of the fur from his like coat on the body and stuff like that with like a oh, yeah. honeycomb and stuff. It was pretty sick. But uh, so my next question is, is if you could make, say they came to you and they were like, uh, we're making an, another song off of horrendic Vikings from hell. We're going to make another music video and we want it to be a short version uh, horror film, but we want it to be a remake of like one of your favorites. What uh, horror film would you choose to remake for the music video? Okay, so it has to be a song off of that album, and it has to be a music video that's like a horror movie remake. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to pick a song. It could be like a song you haven't written yet, if you would prefer it to be. But yeah, just really, just what movie? If you could do any movie as a music video, pretty much, what horror movie would you choose? Oh, what was that band that that r- did that? There was like a band that did something like that, wasn't there? Uh, where they like wrote Peter I Jackson's. Oh, I can't remember now. There was like a band that like r- literally wrote music to like a couple scenes in Peter Jackson's like King Kong or something. And like, <laughs> I can't remember what it was now. Let me make sure I understand this question real fast. Cause I think I'm being dumb right now. Okay. So I could just take a movie. Yeah. Turn it into a music video. Yep. Like pretty much an either, but an either round music video, of course, you know, so like, uh, it'd be like for you guys, but we're kind of dumb. So maybe I have to go like a silly B rated movie or something. Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of one that has like, uh, you know, like a Viking type uh, horror movie, but I can't really think of one. Yeah, it's not really much. I think there, honestly. I mean, you could always do like a H.P. Lovecraft type. You know, where y'all are on a ship against Cthulhu. That'd be kind of sick. That that would be sick. That would, and it would really fit Vale of Noth very well, actually, because that like Vale of Noth is actually an H.P. Lovecraft. That's where the name. It's actually an H.P. Lovecraft like thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I did not know that to be honest. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Veil of Noth is like an HP Lovecraft themed. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Band, actually, uh, let's see. Let me look at my own songs real fast. <laughs> Are you fine? What if? Um, uh, hmm. Okay, I think the song "The Magician," mm. which is about like some sort of like um, like the imagery that we always have is like this like dude with like a deer head kind of thing or something like that with that, and it's like some sort of druid looking thing. I'm trying to think of a movie to be like that. There. Uh... What's crazy is there's a movie actually coming out next year that will probably be perfect. It's called Antlers, and it's about like the Wendigo and shit like that. Oh wow, really? Yeah, that sounds but, awesome. Uh, and it's like Guillermo del Toro's like producing it. It's got Carrie Russell in it. It looks pretty good. It looks like something happened where like the kid's family did something, or the kid's dad was abusive, and it like or something happened where pretty much the kid gets left alone with the Wendigo, and he's like taking care of it like it's his parent and shit. But uh, it's hard to tell because it's supposed to come out this year, and then of course COVID pushed it all the way back to February of next year. But but technically, the story of Pet Cemetery is supposed to have the Wendigo in it. They just never actually fucking put it in the movies for whatever reason. Really? Huh? Yeah. In the in the book, uh, that's where like a lot of the powers come from for the Pet Cemetery. Is it's all like Native American, and it like has to do with like the Wendigo. They like they like uh, in the book apparently there's like sightings of the Wendigo in the woods and stuff like that. Oh man, that's 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 cool. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. You know, actually, what if what if it was just like, what if it was like the song uh, Swamp Witch, mm-hmm. uh, which is off the first album, uh, One Chosen by the Gods. Uh, the song She's Back from Redneck Vikings from Hell is actually, if you were to take Swamp Witch and put She's Back 
right next to each other, it would just play into each other. Hell yeah. So like we wrote She's Back like that on purpose. So it's like the same. It's just like, like and we're, we're kind of playing like, oh, if we play it live, we could just do Swamp Witch and then immediately go into She's Back. It would just flow right into it, like no break or anything. It would just go straight into that other song, making it like crazy long, I think. But yeah, you but yeah, do, like it, do The Witch. You ever seen that movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that would be cool. Um, the Witch would be cool. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was even thinking like if it was just like if you just played Swamp Witch, but you just had like a bunch of like crazy uh, footage from like um, was it Swamp Thing or something? Yeah, like something like that, or or, or you know just something like uh, what's the oh creature from the Black Lagoon maybe? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of like silly looking or goofy, I think, but like it'd be funny. I think I think that'd probably work fine. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that would be dope, especially if you did something where it was like. Uh did it to where it was like the swamp thing was like a woman and she was like in love with either room or something like that. <laughs> she could be the swamp thing, the swamp, witch that doesn't go away. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now the title she's back immediately reminded me of uh hellraiser two, just because Julia is a, such a bitch. I hate, I don't know if you've seen hellraiser two, but she's like one of the worst movie villain characters of all time. In my opinion, I actually haven't seen a single hellraiser movie. And this is something that I remember wanting to rent from blockbuster yeah. And my mom was always like, no, it's too scary for you. I never got around to seeing it. They're definitely extra. That was one thing I touched on with. Um, I just had uh, Nick from Citizen on. And we were talking yeah. about uh, how all these um, like in, like he said, Halloween was one of his favorites growing up. And I was like, I honestly feel like Halloween was shown to a lot of people younger because it was like you had one cover your son's eyes for the titty scene. And <laughs> other than that, it was like there really wasn't much gore. There wasn't much cussing, you know. Other than the one, like, I think PJ Soul's boobs are shown in the movie. Other than that, it's, like, really not much, like, R-rated to it. And if you catch it on TV, there's nothing to hide your kids from. So, unlike Hellraiser, that would never be shown on TV because they couldn't cut something up that much back in the day. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And, like, Hellraiser has a lot of, like, like once you finally see Hellraiser, you'll be like, okay, I understand why my mom didn't let me watch this. <laughs> but they're both <laughs> on uh, Shudder if you do end up getting Shudder. So, you'd be able to watch the, those two and Mandy for five bucks a month. So that's that's worth it right there, dude. You know, oh, yeah. I, it's I think my mom didn't show me Hellraiser probably because she couldn't find a uh, moral or teach me a lesson or something like that. Because like my mom was like True. this, like she would she would like show my, like my mom showed my sister the movie Rosemary's Baby. So that way my sister wouldn't get pregnant early at an <laughs> early age. Like, you know, it was like, whoa, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had to go out and seek some movies just because of this. You know, like Children of the Corn was something I had to go out and seek because I don't think there was a, uh, anything that she could teach me there or whatever. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's just, you know, it's like I, I need to go back and I need to watch Hellraiser because it's one of those that I've always wanted to watch. And I've just never had the chance to go back and do it. And I need to do this because it's it's always one that always comes up. And I'm like, man, you're right. I need to go watch this. Like. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth it, and it holds up. It uh, I've only seen one and two myself, but a lot of people say those are like where it starts to fall off after that one. But but now my final uh, question for you, pretty much, man, is: Do you have any horror stories of your own from you know being on tour or being on the road, or you know if you even have something that's like a experience from when you were a kid that doesn't have anything to do with music that you feel was uh you know supernatural or scary that you want to share? Oh man, I've had so many weird supernatural things happen to me, and and weird scary things like I. I actually so like for someone who 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 tours, I unfortunately have um, not sleep paralysis, but I get like night terrors. Yeah. And like I'll see like people walking around in my room and it's just like terrifying. They don't have any faces. This one, this this is a scary story that I have. This happened to me probably a couple of years back. I was still living in Greenville 
and I was dating this girl at the time. And what happened was uh, I was staying at her house at her apartment that she had. Mm-hmm. And uh, she had like her bed kind of like the feet were facing towards this wall. To the left of the bed was the door leading out the room. And I kind of like wake up. I sit up and I see her standing at the door, just facing it, the facing the door. You know, her back's to me. I can't see anything she's doing. Just just see her back only. Yeah. She's standing there. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? And I'm like, hey, uh, what? What, what are you doing? And then my girlfriend sits up and she looks at me. She's in the bed. She sits up from the bed and looks at me. She's like, what are you talking about? And then it was still there standing at the door. And yeah. I was like, well, then what? And I screamed. I was like, what the fuck is that? Then? And it like turned around. It didn't have a face and it just like dispersed. And then that was that. And I didn't sleep the rest of that night at all. Fuck. And like that was like it was, like the scariest night terror thing I ever had was like that. And like the weird thing about it is that like I'm able to like sit up and like do things and like talk and have complete normal conversations but my i'm i'm still somehow asleep in a weird state you know it's like the weirdest thing ever yeah like that that's something like i'd normally have to deal with on a regular basis unfortunately damn dude that that is some scary shit and especially because it's like stuff like that you know it it could be explained as not supernatural it could literally be like you said you're just in this weird state of in between sleep and awake so these things that you see are like you know they're kind of mental, but they're there for you. You know what I mean? Like, like it feels like a dream, but it doesn't feel like a dream, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? And, and like, there's, to me, there's so much scary about people. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just a lot of terrifying things about people. And I think, like, there's, there's something that's terrifying about, like, your, like, your own mind itself, you know? Like, you can kind of scare yourself on your own without having to <laughs> really reach too hard and whatnot. And, you know, uh, there was like a time where uh, I was I was working at this uh, theater in uh, Little Washington, North Carolina, and this is called the Turnage Theater. Mm-hmm. There's a vaudeville theater above the actual theater that's like from has been used since 1920, I think. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in order to turn the marquee sign, you have to go upstairs into the vaudeville theater. The only way into the upstairs vaudeville theater is from outside through yeah. the alley. Go in the alley, go upstairs. You're in the abandoned 1920s vaudeville theater. It is. I mean, it hasn't been touched or looked at. There hasn't been a light bulb turned on in that in forever. Yeah. But that's where the that's where the unfortunately the switch is to turn the marquee sign is. <laughs> it's like in there. And I go up there with my friend uh, Stu, and I'm as we're coming back down, like I hear like all these weird sounds everywhere, and I look at Stu every time I hear these weird sounds, I'm like what what is, what is that sound? This, I was like, and you get like the weirdest vibe in there, like just the weirdest vibe ever. Yeah. I'm like looking, I'm like, what is that sound? He doesn't respond to me at all. We go back down the stairs. Stu's in front of me leading the way and I'm behind him and I keep like looking behind me. You know, like when you're like a kid, you're like in the basement or something and you're kind of like scared. You kind of like got to go up the stairs. You kind of like go up real fast because you're like, kind of like, ah, there's something behind me. You know, get that yeah. like weird vibe, whatever. I just kept getting that. I'm like, I just like was like, Stu, man, I keep getting the weirdest vibe that something is behind me and it's going to push me down these stairs. And he stops and he looks at me and goes, man, I really wish you didn't say that. Because I always get that feeling in here. And I was like, uh, let's just get out. <laughs> let's just go. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck so, that. Yeah, I'm not about it. I'm like, you know, it's, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, hell yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I appreciate you coming on the show as well. It's been awesome talking to you. It's been a while. Yeah, dude. Absolutely, man. I miss you, man. It's been real It's been real cool just to like kind of like catch up and everything also. But uh, I'm glad that you're doing this show and stuff. It's, it's awesome. I checked out a couple of the uh, some of the things on Spotify and whatnot. It's just it's it's rad, you know. Hell yeah. 
No, I appreciate it, man. Anything you want to add? Uh, no, I mean, you know, like, if, if you want to watch me get scared. You oh, yeah, know, yeah, sorry. Yeah, tell me about your Twitch a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I have a Twitch account that I've been streaming since I can't tour or do anything or work really at all, honestly. And so, you know, I, I sometimes just stream, like, video games or me playing guitar or talking about stuff. But, like, mm. everyone's been kind of, like, wanting to watch me get scared playing video games. I don't normally get scared when I watch a movie, but, man, do I get scared playing a video game because the immersion level is just, like, 10 times more intense fucking uh, same i can't finish resident <laughs> evil biohazard i've like tried it three times <laughs> i just started that i literally just started that yesterday i think and yeah no the day before actually it was tuesday i started it and um man i i'm trying to get through that right now and you know and like even the even resident evil 2 like the yeah. remastered version i've been trying to get through that also and it's just it's just like just scary me there's tons of clips on me just getting freaked out over dumb silly things it's funny and it's hilarious. If you want to watch uh, a grown man scream, go to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have a good time on that. Yeah, it's a uh, well, Twitch TV slash Donnie Burbage. Hell yeah! And then if you, uh, of course, if for some reason you're fucking up and slacking and not following a the realm, all there's all your a the realm stuff is just at a the realm, pretty much, right? Or is there anything afterwards? Uh, yeah, I think it's just at a the realm. Like you can just type in aetherrealm anywhere you can type it in google you'll find you'll find it anywhere everywhere pretty much hell yeah no, i appreciate you man yeah but uh, appreciate it too man it's been fun oh yeah so i just want to say thanks again for listening and don't forget to check friday as i'll be doing a bonus episode featuring the legendary lloyd kaufman co-founder of troma and also i'll be back the following week on my normal tuesdays with alec riley guitar player for the band initiate initiate's becoming one of my favorite bands and I highly recommend you check out their new EP, Lavender, if you haven't. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Go check out Loudmouth Threads, who did this awesome original podcast artwork, and stay safe.